tonight, I, I count it a privilege to be able to sit here with these men. We, how long have we been doing our gray prey? And by the way, gray prey because we're all gray-haired. Although when I look in the mirror, I, I say it's blonde. But. I think... Uh, it's been two years? Three years? No, it's been three. I think it's... You and I started, then Leonard... Oh, what? <laughs> so I think it's about three years. Leonard, uh, Leonard. So, so Kevin and I'm I Kevin. started. I'm yeah, Kevin. that's, that's uh, Leonard. Yeah. yeah. And then Leonard came, and then we added Gary, but he's out of town right now. And then we added Lowell. And then, uh, and, uh, how many of you know Lars? Isn't he sweet? Yes. He's 91 years old. He's been walking with the Lord for 57 years. So on Saturday, last Saturday, I thought, Lars, what do you, you want to join us? And he, he's not here, so I'm not sure what happened. But um, he is so sweet. If you don't know him, he is just, oh, he comes to our prayer meetings on Saturday morning. So, so yeah, so this is great pray. We get together, and it's tremendous, tremendous um, encouragement, strengthening for me and I know for us. And basically what we do is we get together. We, we might read some scripture. We share a little bit, always talking uh, about some of the things that are on our hearts as far as the Lord, our person. Lots of different things come up, and then we pray. And our main prayer is for our church. We want to be praying for our church and asking the Lord to uh, be able to work and do what he wants to do in us so that he can do what he wants to do through us. And so um, th those are absolutely, uh, the hour of prayer for me, these types of things are absolutely the, the summit of the things that help me to stay on, on, on track. So tonight we're going we're gonna, to, this is not scripted at all, so um, I told these guys to, you know, think before they speak. No, <laughs> uh, it's not scripted. We're going to look at, at, just use 2 Timothy as a little bit of a template for this whole idea of living a gospel-centered life. And these guys, in fact, I, I asked them. So um, Leonard is 78. He's been walking with the Lord for 66 years. Lowell is 73. He's been walking with the Lord for 62 years. Greg is 68. He's been walking with the Lord for 46 years. Uh, I'm 66. I'm the young guy. It's just tremendous. I've been walking with the Lord for 43 years. So a combined, up right here, are 217 years of walking with the Lord. And you know, we were talking about this. It goes by like that. I mean, it's just like you blink and here it is. Here we are. In 2019, having gone through a lot of stuff, and God has been faithful, absolutely faithful in walking with us and doing the things. And so, as I think I've maybe shared on a Sunday, as a believer, it seems to me, the older I get, that really, I, I want to say this correctly, um, it's almost like you can do no wrong as long as the Lord's with you. You make mistakes, you go through things, but the Lord causes what? all things to work together. And this is the encouragement that we have with each other. We've, we've, we've been going through these things for a long time. So here's where we're going to, I asked, uh, here's some, kind of like I outlined a little bit tonight. So there's, there's four things that we're going to hit in 2 Timothy 3 and 4, okay? So the first one is, know this, chapters three, uh, chapter 3, verse 1 through 9. Second one, you have carefully followed. Paul speaking to Timothy, you've carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering. So he's, he's saying that. The third one is you must continue. 
Okay, gospel-centered life. You must continue. And the final one is be watchful. So again, we haven't scripted this, so we'll, we'll try and work through. We'll read some of the scriptures. So if you have your Bibles, which I hope you do, would you open them? And let me begin uh, just in prayer. In fact, uh, Greg, would you pray? Open us up in prayer, and then uh, we'll, we'll get into this. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you so much yes. for well, everything you've done. And the fact that we can freely come here tonight and offer ourselves to you and open ourselves to you and read your word. And Lord, it is our hope, it is our desire, and it's our request that you would use tonight to speak to us. Yes, Lord. A little bit more to shine in to where we need light. It's, it, there is no doubt every one of us in this room needs more light. We need more of you. Uh, we need the, I think of that song, Lord. We need thee every hour, most yeah. gracious Lord. So, Lord, thank you for your mercy and grace. Thank you for your presence here tonight. May you send your Holy Spirit as gentle yes. rain upon us, anointing our ears, anointing our eyes to really see some stuff, and anointing our hearts to embrace it and do something with it. Amen. And that's what I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, in Second Timothy, just leading up to chapters 3 and 4, in chapter 1... He's telling Timothy to begin with, don't be ashamed. The gospel, don't be ashamed of the testimony. So here's, here's something that I think to keep in mind. Timothy was not a, he was a very strong believer. And you look at what he went through, he stuck it out with Paul. I mean, he was an amazing, amazing man. So when Paul's encouraging him, that should encourage us. Because we go through the same kinds of things, no matter how the Lord may be using us, He's saying to him, don't be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord. The Lord has not given us a spirit of fear. All those things. He's encouraging Timothy. You get to chapter 2. He says, be strong. So don't be ashamed. Chapter 1. Be strong in what? The grace that's in Christ Jesus. So we need to be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. Amen? That we, uh, we are saved by grace through faith. Grace is God's unmerited favor toward us. God's riches at Christ's expense. All those things. The grace of God in our lives is key to any kind of gospel life that we're leading, that we know the grace of God. And then he says in chapter 2, verse 14, to be diligent. So you got to, don't be ashamed, be strong in the grace, and be diligent. And what he says in chapter 2, uh, look at that, verse 21, therefore, no, no, let's go back, uh, verse 19, uh, 2 Timothy 2, nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands... Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his, and that everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. So he's saying, hey, God knows, and here's what we need to depart from iniquity. But in a great house are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. He says, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, the former, he'll be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master. How many of you want to be a sanctified vessel for the Lord? We all do. And God is doing that, and we depend on the grace of God, all those things. So then he says this, flee youthful lusts, verse 21, uh, 22, pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace. Notice, with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So we need community. We need each other in this whole endeavor to live a gospel-centered life. So, uh, but avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing they generate strife. Serve the Lord and us not quarrel. Note this, but be gentle to how many? All. Able to teach. In humility, correcting those who are in opposition, 
which we're going to be facing that. If God, perhaps, God will grant them repentance, the knowledge of the truth, they may escape the snare of the devil. So he's saying to Timothy, hey, be gentle, be ready to teach, but know that God's work in that life is not your responsibility. It's God's. And so that he might grant them repentance. So then we get to chapter 3. So he says all these things. Don't be ashamed, be strong, be diligent, be a vessel of honor. Here's what we need to do. And then he says, but know this. In the latter days, in the last days, perilous times will come. How many would say we're in perilous times? That's what we're... These things that he's talking about in chapters 1 and 2 are happening in perilous times. Difficult times. We're up against forces of darkness. We're up against a world that's contrary to us. We have a flesh that's contrary to you. So he says, know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come for men will be, and then he gives this really ugly list. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control. How many would say without self-control is huge in in our culture? Brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure. How, how, how much is this indicative of our culture, right? Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. Then he says this, for this sort of, uh, and from such people turn away. So there's a need that we, that we have to, uh, that we're in perilous times. Here's what we're up against. And there is a need we have to discern our involvement as believers in these perilous times. So it's for the, of this sort of those who creep into households, make capital gull of women, loaded down with sins, always learning, never able to come to the truth. Now notice, as Janus and Jambres, remember those are the two that were withstanding Moses, resisted Moses, so do these also resist what? They resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds, Disapprove concerning the faith, but they will progress no further for the folly of manifest to all. So in this first one, the question that I, that I would pose to you guys, how do you, how do you keep a gospel-centered mindset as you have witnessed and are witnessing the perilous times in which we live? How have you done that? Anyone can go. What I try... What I try to do is not get sucked down by the negative that is a real easy response to these times and become cynical. Um, In other words, we can become part of the problem rather than part of the solution. We get all kinds of, you know, Facebook posts and emails and everything describing these times and they're really cynical. They sound good and they're funny and everything, but you need to avoid that spirit. And um, the Bible says that this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I, <clears throat> I don't think that day is a 24-hour day, but the time in which we're alive, God has ordained and God is working and he's going to accomplish something that is glorious. It's the atmosphere of God's grace and God's miracles. And to see life that way, um, I, I think and to see the times that way. This is a marvelous opportunity for us to shine in this darkness. And so I focus on that, not on, you know, joining in the darkness by being dark. Okay. As long as you don't watch Fox News. 
I watch Fox News. You do? Oh, okay. <laughs> Amen. I don't see it as negative. Yeah, okay. uh, truth is not negative. So you see it, you're watching those things and think, okay, I, it's a, just a dark Absolutely. world that I'm in. Right. Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't hide in a cave and deny what's really going on. But um, to be a participant in the kingdom of God in the context yeah. of, the, of reality. Christianity is unique and it deals with reality. It's not going into nirvana and escaping things and being numb to everything around us but entering into it and functioning by the grace of God. Right. And, you know, I've been reading a lot about the kingdom of God. I'm reading several books on that. And the yes. whole idea of a kingdom, the whole idea that we're participants <clears throat> in a kingdom and that we're being prepared for a kingdom that's coming is also for, for one of the things for me now recently, just up, re-upping that whole, um, you know, there's a kingdom that we're, we're a part of now and will be millennially and then eternally. Amen. Okay. For me, um, you know, again, this is a, just a journey. And there's not a single one of us, I believe, that hasn't progressed in some way, in a deeper way. You know, you may not be where... I don't think any of us are where we hope to be, right? None, no one is here there. Is anybody here like that? You mean, okay. mean, mean having arrived? Yes. Even Paul, the, the apostle, mm -hmm. said, I have not yet attained. One of the things that has been growing on me the last few years, and, and if you're, this is how I am. I, I get something, the Lord lodges something in my head or my heart, and, and I kind of live there for quite a while. I'll come back to it again and again and again and again, and it gets more and more wrought into me, put into me. I, all of a sudden, it... it kind of, it's not a sudden thing, it's a, it's a, it's a slow birth. And uh, one of those things is that the very heart of this thing that we've labeled as Christianity, I, I don't really, I don't like to call it an anity, it's a personal relationship with a real person. At the heart of it, at the very heart of it, it's all about Him. It's all about Him. And there were there's been several passages that, for me, have been key to that. One of them is Philippians chapter 3, where Paul, you know, he says, I, I, if anybody has any attainments, it's me. I have attainments. But, I love those three-letter words, two-letter words, four-letter words. They are just critical. But, he says, I have, I count them as refuse, garbage, that I may gain Christ and may know him. And in fact, not only have I counted them, I did some mental mathematic calculations, but I actually lost. I have suffered the loss of all things that I may gain him. And, and that's becoming more and more real to me. I just, there's a whole lot we could say. But that's at the very heart. And so what anchors me to walk through these perilous times is a personal relationship with that man. Really. Um, how many of you know the name Oswald Chambers? Okay, quite a few. Okay. I, he's been in my, my devotional reading in the mornings for about the last five years. <laughs> and uh, it's not just my utmost for his highest. He's got some other works that, I mean, are just, they are just direct at you. 
And he has a little phrase, and I think I, I'm keying off kind of Lowell, what, one of the things that Lowell said. But he says, life, he uses this phrase, life as it actually is. Christianity is unlike any other thing. This relationship with a living God is like any other th unlike any other thing. Why? Because it's life as it really is. And I've been awakening to that fact. It's, it's not what I'd like it to be. Right now, this life is not like I'd like it to be, personally and especially universally. It's not. It's not. This, this can't remain. It's going down. But his name is Emmanuel. What does that mean? Where is he? With us. Right here. He's not over there. He is, but he's not. For you, for me, he's right where I am. And I'm just learning that again and again and again. And I, I, we were talking earlier before we, got, we came in here. And so that's the key to Leonard, to jump to Leonard. We, he has his favorite verse. You're talking about, yeah. Is this working? Okay. I guess it is. Um, I gave my heart to the Lord uh, when I was first convicted of sin, which was about when I was six or seven years old. But when I was 12 years old, we were at vacation Bible school, and uh, we had to choose a verse to put on a plaque that we were learning how to wood uh, burn, what do you call it, wood burning? Wood burn, yeah. Wood burn into a plaque that we were making. And I chose Romans 8.28. Now, Leonard, so you were 12 at this point? I was 12 years 12. old. Okay. Yeah. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I've still got that plaque hanging in my garage. Um, but at, about four years later, I had an English teacher who I had uh, mistakenly signed up to take a college prep class and got into his class. And he could see that I probably wasn't the best candidate for his class. And he asked to see me after class one day. And he shocked me as he told me, he said, Leonard, I hate you. I'm going to do everything I can to keep you out of college. Yikes. And that's all he had to say to me. And I didn't have a reply. I just left. That was a Friday afternoon. Sunday, instead of being in church uh, listening to the message, I was sitting in my father's car, and I was crying out to the Lord in response to that. And the Lord very carefully spoke to me. He said, did I not tell you that all things work together for good to those that love me? And I had just received my driver's license and we were talking about insurance and he said there's the, a premium to pay pay the premium and I'll see that all things work together for good Amen. Greg often talks about an encounter with the living God 
I don't know how much more of an encounter someone would have, but to me that was extremely realistic. It was not the first time I'd heard the Lord speak to me, nor the last. Um, John tells us that God is a spirit. He told the woman at the well, God is a spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. It's a walk that we find ourselves walking with the Father. I, I sometimes wonder how Enoch walked. You know, I, I know what my walk is with the Lord. I enjoy his presence. Uh, I, I'm tired and retired. <laughs> and retired no, you're re again. You're retired and tired. <laughs> I spend a lot of time in my garage, and oftentimes I find myself not knowing how to do something. And more times than I can't figure out what to do, I can't figure out where I left something that, a <laughs> senior moment or something, you know. I left some, I laid something down, and I can't find it. But you know, I found that I can always ask the Lord, Lord, how to do it? How do I do this? Or, or where is that particular item that I left? And uh, the peace of God in his presence. You know, he may not show me right then and there where that item is that I misplaced. But before I actually need it, I'll find it. And the, I can rest totally in the peace of God and knowing that he will show me. And I don't know how many times I've gone to sleep at night. And just before I doze off, there's the answer of how to do something that I've asked the Lord for. It's... Uh, not infrequent, and his presence of the present spirit of God dwelling within us transcends so uh, much. You know, it reminds me of that book, Brother Andrew, Practicing the Presence of God. Yeah. It's, that's a classic, right? Anyway. Great. Okay, let's look at 2 Timothy 3 now, verses 10 through 13. He said, this is Paul to Timothy, you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life. Again, remember, this is Paul's last letter. He's writing to Timothy. He's encouraging him. He's saying, you have, to Timothy, you've carefully followed, but you have carefully followed my, my doctrine. This begins there. Manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance. Notice also persecutions. I mean, Timothy saw it. He saw the whole thing. Persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and impostors grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So the question here is, who has been an example, you guys, of a gospel-centered life that you have followed, and Why?
So in my journey, my, my travel, this road, this, this road I'm on, the narrow road, um, you know, we've, I've been through, in fact, Leonard and I have known each other a long time, long time, almost for my 46 years, pretty doggone close. And um, we were together in the same church, churches actually. And um, I really didn't have, I don't recall too many models I had, people that I really got close to that I could really, something happened there, that there was a real communion between us. And uh, my communion was, and some of you that know me a little bit more than others, I like books. I got a lot of them. And um, so I found solace and, and somebody I could follow in some of those books. And the, there are some writers that I just think uh, highly of. And I, you, know, you know some background of those. They have biography and stuff like that. How many have heard of George Mueller? Okay, there's, I mean, that man, the testimony that that man had before other people. So understanding how he lived became a model. But in these last years again, and it, it's just amazing to me how long it takes sometimes for some of these things to work through our lives, but I have started to like people. <laughs> oh, Greg, you're you guys so are okay. Sweet. You guys are okay, you know? <laughs> you know, because I'm not a real people person. I'm just not. I, and so, you know, my wife, everybody loves my wife. It's great. I, I get to tag, you know, behind her on that. But now in these last days, and I can honestly say, I'm going to honestly say, there are three guys I'm sitting up here with that I would follow to the ends of the earth. These guys I know, I could trust. Are they perfect? Nope. Don't tell them that. <laughs> are they perfect? Nope. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, we're all in the process. And they have things, this whole thing about community, it, it is, I believe it is crucial. I've come to believe that. You know, I, doctrinally, I, I'm all, I've been a good Christian all 46 years. I believe that stuff. But I really didn't see it. I really couldn't comprehend and grasp it without walking through real events in life that forced me into that realm, have an encounter. That's what I call an encounter. And so in these last years, I've just found, you know, I've got a lot of deficits. I learn a lot. I, I mean, I've been with, where's Barbara? I see Barbara and Dottie's next to her. Hi, Dottie. Wave for everybody. Okay, <laughs> there we go. I've fallen in love with these guys. You know, five years ago, I got asked by Lynn McGuire, will you want to join our, our seniors group? What? Why would I do that? Why You're not a I senior, are you? <laughs> and, uh, but I thought, you know, I'm a good teacher. And it's, it's very interesting. The Lord kind of nudged me. And he said, no, 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 no. That's not the angle I'm angling for here. I want you to become one with these people. They're your people. And I used to say them. How many of you ever said them? I really like them. But... Now that's changed to us. Mm -hmm. It's changed to us. And there's one verse, just 
has jumped out at me over these last few years. It just came out of the, almost out of the blue. It was kind of percolating in there. You know, there's a verse, and uh, one of the verses Kevin's mentioned it quite a bit, it's been one of my favorite, is that if I stand before the Lord, when I, when I stand, not if I stand, when I stand before the Lord Jesus Christ at His coming, if I hear two words, I, I'll go probably into ecstasy at that moment, and I don't know what He'll say after that, but if I hear, well done, I will be dancing, okay? But my, I've changed came out of Thessalonians here. So Paul is talking to Thessalonians. He's been driven out. He'd only been there a few weeks. He longed to see those guys. I'm just amazed by his, his personal passion for people. He says, I, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. Listen to this verse. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. And so the Lord has worked that in. So community, there's something. And I think that we started off tonight, perilous times. These brothers and sisters, I'm almost totally convinced we're this close to the last days. You, we better be really connected with some people on a level where we've not been before. Amen. To get walking through this because we will not make it on our own. I just say that. So let me read up the question, right? So uh, example, gospel-centered life and why? Go ahead, Lowell. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah um, the Bible says we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And, of course, it's referencing Old Testament, New Testament people. My life has a cloud of witnesses that I have known and touched. And I've selected just three people who have really impacted me. There are many, many others, and I apologize to them for not mentioning them. But my grandmother... Uh, Clara Burrier, um, raised seven children in the strip mines of Ohio. And um, my father told the story, my grandfather was an alcoholic. He was eventually killed on a coal crusher uh, working in the coal mines of Ohio. My grandmother, without going into all the details, the, the huge difficulties of raising those children in that circumstances, always holding fast to her faith. And um, my father tells of during the Depression, going out, he and his brothers, and my father was the oldest, would go out and stand by the railroad tracks in the days when they had brakemen on the cars. And um, they would take a sack along, and the brakemen would throw chunks of coal off of the car. And they would gather it up and take it home, and that's how they heated their house. And by the time I got to know my grandmother, she had congestive heart failure and had difficulty breathing. Um, we would go and visit her just about every Sunday afternoon after church, and then there were the times where she would come and, and stay in our home for a couple weeks. And I remember as a little boy getting up beside her, she would always have her black Bible and be reading 
And I would sit up beside her and I say, Grandma, could you read to me? And she'd say, oh, no, Lowell, I would like to, but I don't have enough breath. And just, you cannot hide character. She had such faith in the Lord. So many things had gone wrong in her life, but she prayed for her children. She prayed for her grandchildren. She profoundly impacted me. And just to encourage you, you know, we all want to be a witness. You are a witness. And, and here this little lady who could barely even talk uh, influenced me. Mm. Um, um, another who influenced me is Billy Graham. Uh, as a college student, I can remember every time he was on television, no matter what was going on, one time I was roofing my parents' house and my brother came over after work to help and Billy Graham was on. When it came to 7 o'clock, I got off the roof and went down and watched Billy Graham. He, um, he influenced me with, with the fire of God and with a single focus of making known the gospel of Jesus Christ to every person. My brother was very upset with me, but tough luck. I mean, <laughs> I'd been working on the roof nine hours before he got there. And then the other person that I would choose is a little Welshman. He was my advisor in seminary. His name was Gwen Walters. He was influ influenced by the Welsh revivals and just a man of God. He was shorter than you, Kevin. And uh, he was assigned to be my advisor. And I didn't like him. I thought he was too stuffy and everything. And, and we would meet and, and he would talk with me. He was my preaching professor. And he was one of those individuals that you knew he loved you, but he would tell you what you didn't want to hear. And he was half my size, but he could cut me down to, to where I needed to be. Yeah, watch out, Lowell, because I'm... I know. <laughs> you already, I, I already respect you, so you don't have to do it. But I, I was far more immature then. But Dr. Walters just loved me, had great patience with me. And one of the highest privileges, he had set an hour aside three times a day where he'd just read the word and pray. And one time I was walking by his office and he says, oh, come in and sit down. And I just had the privilege of being with him in that quiet time and the word and prayer. Wow. He was a giant. That's awesome. A giant. Wow. Well, for me, it's... Um I uh, don't read very well. I, in fact, I hardly read a book in my life before I came to work for Calvary Chapel 20 years ago. I think I'd read about one or two books before that, uh, other, than, other than the Word. Um, so I like to listen. <clears throat> And I like to listen to the Spirit of God through men of God. And I found, uh, I, I never forget the first time that Kevin played a video from Jim Cimbala right. called My House Shall Be Called a House of Prayer. Yeah. Um, life changer. Pardon? A life changer. Game a life changer. changing video. Yeah. Um, Since that time, I got acquainted with Alec Rowland, who invited Jim Cimbala to 
speak at Westgate Chapel. And you know he's coming again in February. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so those are two of three guys that I listen to every week if, if they're speaking that week. <laughs> the other person I listen to is a, is a uh, um, Jewish pastor. They, some people call him a rabbi, but he's not. He's a, just a Jewish pastor uh, who didn't know he, he was a Jew until he was over 20 years old. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, and was he a Christian at that point? He had, he had found the Lord, and uh, once he had began his relationship with Jesus Christ, he could not get it out of his mind that every time he'd ask his parents about his heritage, they would change the subject hmm. or give him a couple very brief things that would uh, not tell him anything. So he wrote to a cousin that he knew he had in France. And the f cousin in France sent him his whole life history, basically, before he was born. And I think it was 12 or 15 pages of typewritten pages that Anne told him he was a German Jew, that his grandparents had fled Germany just before Hitler came to power, they could see what, what was happening. Anyway, and because of that, even though he was a Christian believer, he had a desire, a burning desire within him to find, find out what his heritage. And he went, to, he went then and studied Hebrew under uh, some Jewish rabbis. And so he has a very different approach to the scriptures than most people do. And I love the Jewish um, way of looking at things, especially when they read it. They're in the Old Testament and they're reading it in Hebrew. So when they're dictating it, or giving you a message out of it, they're giving it to you in the, in the language it was written in. It's very, very uh, st stimulating. So I, f I find, the reason I find those is because, so interesting is because there's a spirit that speaks through them. Not all the time, but most of the time you can sense the spirit of God through them. And I love that when you can come to a meeting, whether it's in worship or whether it's through the message that is given, you sense the Spirit of God speaking to your heart. And there's nothing to me that's more precious, whether it's reading his word, listening to it, listening to it, but when it penetrates right to the heart. Yeah. There's, there's nothing more precious. Yeah, and you know, then it, it also brings up just when, when some of these people that we followed, uh, when they stumble, it's always difficult, right? Yeah, but that doesn't negate what the Lord has done through them in our lives, right? 
the pastor who baptized me had an affair with my cousin's wife. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it just re-ups again the, the uh, we're all prone to wander. Amen. Right? We're all prone to, to, we're all susceptible to those things. So when you have examples, when there's people that you're following and they're staying at it, um, it's, it's, it's powerful. And it, it sort of re-ups your desire to do the same, right? Okay, so then in, in, uh, let's move on to the next one. He says verse, uh, in chapter 3, verse 14, But you, Timothy, must continue the things which you've learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you've learned them, and that from childhood, and by the way, Paul in First Timothy had talked about his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. So they were believers and not his dad. doesn't talk about his dad. His grandmother and his mother. Uh, and then Paul said, I'm persuading you too, Timothy, from his mother and his grandmother. But here he's saying, uh, you've known that from childhood you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And really, as you go through this, verse 4, he's talking all about the, about the Scriptures. So the, the question is, what kind of time, energy? And I, I think for me, the, we all know it's, it's uh, important that we're in the Bible. We've heard that over and over. We know it's important to read it, memorize it, all those things. But to me, the essence, that I, I guess the question that I'm wondering about, what kind of time and energy do you devote to reading and studying the Bible? The question then is why? Uh, because we know knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. We know that the Holy Spirit of God works through the Word of God to change us. So the transforming power of the Word of God, I think we understand that. We know that. So the question, when I, when I say why, what, what, uh, what um, as far as the Word, how is that sort of, evo- uh, I should, should I use the word evolved? <laughs> sort of transformed how you view it, how you view the Scriptures. Um, I don't know if I'm making sense here, but you can make sense of it. I'll just ask. I guess how, is, how, how has the Word of God become more and more dear to you over the years? I had the privilege of going to Bible college and seminary and sat through many lectures and classrooms and studying for it. And you have to get the grades or you don't graduate and everything. That was good. But where I have really learned the word of God is in my relationship with other people. Not just my private reading. If you talk to Greg Parker, he's going to talk to you about the book of Deuteronomy that he is teaching. And it's rich. That's where you learn it. That's where it lights a fire in you. And the word of God is to be shared. Um, I have come to realize that life is the classroom of the scriptures. Life is. It's not this room. It's not some ecclesiastical structure, but it is in the practical living of life. And I mean, it's what James says, right? We can be hearers, be doers, we're not hearers only. Absolutely. Jesus said that, right? Yeah, and sometimes it works this way as I study the word and I go out into life and it begins to, oh, that's what he's talking about. Other times I go out in life and I fall on my face and I go back to the Bible and it tells me, you know what I need to know. It works both ways. But if you're not in the Word, you don't have the perspective that you need to live this life. Yeah. 
many times, and I said this one time I was teaching up here, is that many times we pray that the Lord will change the circumstances, but what God wants to do is change us. And so many times in my life, I'm going through hard times. He changes my perspective. The situation stays the same, and it's glorious. And, and so um, the word of God in the practical living out of life. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, Leonard, it's kind of like your story. You have this plaque when you're 12 years old, and then later on, four years later, there's the word of God all of a sudden. Yeah, for me, uh, you know, in studying the word, it's gone from me to we. Mm. And, and I, I just value the times, Kevin, that the five of us can sit together and share in the word. Yes, it's rich. And it is rich. It is made for Christian fellowship, yeah. not for a monastery. And, you know, in our conversations, uh, often we're not agreeing. And, you know, so that's when I'm right and you're not. But, we, but. A lot of times I don't agree with me. <laughs> and I don't agree with either one of them. But you know what? Over the years, the richness of those differences is what, what really catalyzes more and more the desire to dig into it and know it myself. And how does that, you know, the, those different perspectives, how does that work? You know, in my, in my experience, um, I, I, I love to read anyway. I just love to read. My mom used to, when I was growing up, she had to kick me outside. She said, go out and get some fresh air, run around. You know, you're, you're going to be a little weakling your whole life. And so she had to kick me out. And, and, but I loved reading. I've always read. Uh, when I came to the Lord, uh, I, was, I had an insatiable appetite. And um, it focused a lot. One of my passions is the second coming of Christ. I think it's, I think that I, I have a passion right now to see it revived among us. Uh, you know, there's embers going, but I think it, you know, the, the day is going to push it whether we get ready or not, but it's going to be here. Uh, there's a verse here at sec, in First Chronicles uh, chapter 12, verse 32. It says, of the sons of Issachar who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. And I think that that's important. Um, so one of the experiences I've had again and again and again is I will see something here and I want to know. I want to I know. I want to know what this means. What does it say? Uh, the quest that brought me to the Lord in my own experience as, a, as an unbeliever I wanted to know the meaning of life. I wanted to know the meaning of existence. So there's got to be a meaning. This can't be just haphazard and just came into existence and it's all nothing. I, I had to find that out. I got in philosophy. I got into the occult. I got into all kinds of stuff like that. And then finally, the Lord arranged an encounter that was fairly dramatic. And so since that time, whenever I see something, I want to I dig into it. But often the Lord has told me you just need to lay that aside for a while. Mm -hmm. You know, because you, you have to be, like Lowell said, you have to have life events that make it real. Mm -hmm. 
And, and too many times, I believe, we try to force things. Uh, I think that that's part of the why we as Christians get fairly dogmatic about doctrines. Uh, you know, that's not what I was taught. And then I used to have this one dear sister, I love her so very much, uh, Leonard knows her, Marianne Roop, and you know her, Kevin. And uh, she used to say, Greg, what is it that we believe? I said, what? I've been talking to you all these years, and come on, come on, you can't do that. But, you know, I mean, we have to come to wrestle through things, and it's only real-life events that often can make them alive and real. And every one of us, I think, here knows that some, at some point in time, you could have read a certain passage, you know, 10 times, 15 times, 50 times, and all of a sudden, bang, something happens, and it comes alive, it comes, becomes real. And uh, so I just want to keep going. Uh, you know, I think that these days are the entry into the perilous times. I think we have to, uh, we were having again some discussion. I, I'm, not, I'm not a news junkie, but I do look and see what's going on, especially in particular spheres. I have, over these last number of years, had just a wonderful opportunity to link up with some people that are working in some of the hardest places in the world where the gospel hasn't reached there ever in some places and in other places 1300 1400 years under the yoke of of Islam and, and amazing things are happening and 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 that I'm a part of it and I really sincerely mean this there isn't any other real game going on. Now, who doesn't want to go to the game of games, right? How many of you are sports fans? Come on. Let me see. All right. I know you. there's a lot of you guys out there. I'm not. <laughs> but anyway, you, you know, you guys get so excited on the game of games. It's like the, you know, this is the only thing happening in town. There's no free radicals. There's no unattended event. There's nothing outside of God's active engagement. I do not understand that. I think it's mind-boggling. It proves to me, he, it's one of the things that proves to me more than anything, he's God. He's engaged in this. He's making it happen. Yet we have free will. I try to plug that in. And, and so... I, that's what gives me the appetite to read this book again and again and again and again and to get, uh, I'm not willy-nilly anymore. I used to buy up every little book. Man, I had a huge, I gave away half of it eventually. I'm still giving it away. Finally, the Lord told me, okay, that book on your shelf, it's how long it's been there. Go ahead, see if you want to lick the, the, the dust on the top. No, you don't want to do that. So I tell you what, give it away, and then you give it away with this, with this criteria. I give it to you, then you read it, and you give it to the next person, okay? Because this is good stuff. Now, Greg, tonight when we met, you brought two books. I know. I've... And you gave them to me, but then you took them No, back. no, I didn't give them to you. I gave them you so gave you, them you could them. see them, and you could get stirred up okay. with just what checking, you're doing. Just okay, checking. Just, okay. What did the Lord tell you? To <laughs> give that? them, right? What's that? Didn't he say to give the book? 
The Lord told you. I haven't read it yet. I'm not giving it to you before I read it. Okay, I'm just checking. All right. Let's get this clear, man. (laughs) So, Leonard, do you have anything to add on that? Then we'll do the last one. Just kind of, I mean, I know that you've always, as far as reading, but you listen a lot. Uh, You read the Bible, um, obviously. So, I would just say that, you know, today as I was meditating and and looking at different things, the one thing that um, I was prompted to do was look up the word conscience. Paul uses that so many times. I've kept, you know, I stand before you with a clear conscience. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's so many places in the word that the word conscience is used and your conscience I'm convinced is part of the spirit of part of the if it's not part of the spirit it is certainly an active tool that the spirit uses absolutely to speak to you with Mm -hmm. and your conscience needs to be shaped and formed There's no other way you can get a conscience that is clear before God than to understand the Word of God. There you go. Yes. It's impossible. And the Holy Spirit, if you ask Him to, when you read it, will shape your conscience So, yeah, good word. He tenderizes it. That too. <laughs> okay, finally, uh, chapter uh, four. This is the swan song, right? Um, he says, But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions. Verse five of chapter four. Do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure is at hand. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Paul, again, he's, he, he's going to be. Killed really soon. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all those who have loved his appearing. Then he says, be diligent to come to me quickly. And he said there uh, in verse uh, 16, at my first defense, notice this, no one stood with me. Paul was alone, only in the personages of people. May it not be charged against them, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, which many believe is uh, from Nero, that the Lord had delivered him. So the, there's, a, there's a few things here that we could talk about. Um, how have you been watchful in all things? How have you fought the good fight? How have you kept the faith? Or maybe, maybe even better, how are you being watchful in all things? How are you fighting the good faith? How are you keeping the faith? And then really the one that uh, captures me a little bit, but the Lord stood with me. Though no one else, Paul said, the Lord stood with me. It was that real to him. And he's going to his death. So uh, go for it. In, in our time together over these last few years, many, many times, I, 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 don't, I didn't number it. I wish maybe I would have, but it's not necessary anyway. 
the, what has come up many times is when we're praying for something, the Lord to work here in Calvary Chapel South. And again, I, I, I think all four of us, and Gary's not here, I think he would express the same thing, how incredibly blessed we, we are with, with this little church. Maybe it's medium-sized. But it is so much good stuff going on. But we all know that there is unplumbed depths that, that lie beneath us and unscaled heights rise far above. And that we have, we want to be full, in full blaze at the end of this age to give glory to Him and to see many come to saving faith. But every time that we pray that, at least in my heart, and it's come up with all of us, is what we realize there's a cost to pay. You know, it's all, you know those, those phrases in Scripture where it says, come buy without money. Well, you just said buy, but you said without money. And so Paul is, is talking about this is the cost. And, I, and there's one author that I've loved for many years. I, I don't know. Too many people don't know him. His name is T. Austin Sparks. Um, he often talks about if you really take the path where the Spirit of God is leading you, that's not a, a place where a lot of people walk. I mean, also with that, I mean, the Lord calls us to those places Absolutely. where it's just He and I, right? Yep. And so it's... You know, I mean, when I've been praying, you know, we've prayed for revival. We've prayed for so many things. And the Lord has often very softly said, are you willing to pay the price that I can bring this? And um, that's an excellent question. I mean, that's what, I, that's what we have to answer. And I'll just give one more thing here. Um, uh, there's some of us that know about Frontier Alliance International. It's a the group that one of the groups that many of the groups, great groups, that's op, op, operating in the Middle East. They are linked up now very strongly with the underground churches in Iran. And there's a uh, they've had a video that came out a documentary, and one coming out next weekend called "Sheep Among Wolves." And, and in it, the these. The underground church it is the fastest growing church right now as a percentage of the population in the whole world. In the hardest place. How? Because every morning when they wake up, they say, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to look for every opportunity I can to share the gospel knowing this. I could get caught I could get tortured, and I could die. And I'm going to do it. It's up to you, Lord, whether that happens or not. And, and I, I just... The whole, I, the whole idea, Greg, is just with them as with us. Yes. The Lord stands with us. Right, right. But it's, we've got to take that stand. Right. Paul was there. He knew. I mean, he got forewarned mm -hmm. throughout the whole book yep. of Acts toward the end. You're on your path to uh, getting imprisoned. And he said, I don't hold my life dear to myself. Um, none of these things move me. None of these things move me. I, I'm going to lay it down. I'm going to lay it down. And here, it's being laid down. And, and 
just to live with a, with a martyr mentality. I'm not looking for martyrdom. I don't want to be martyred, but I want to live with that attitude that if that's what the Lord br brings me to, praise the Lord. I'm going to end up the same place in glory, right? Amen. Cool. That's exactly where I was going, Greg. Um, um, I've had the pleasure, or the, no, not the pleasure, the privilege of being in situations a couple times in my life where I, like Paul, stood alone. And um, I won't go into detail on those things, but the Lord was there. And I would say that the best times I have had with the Lord have been the worst times in my life. But he transformed them into a, a time of strength, encouragement, um, transforming my character, confirming his love for me. And um, I, I, Dr. Ensworth, one of the guys that influenced my life in, in uh, preparing us for seminary, he said, you know, in order to, to survive in the ministry, you have to deal with the worst-case scenario. And the worst-case scenario is they can kill you. And you're all going to die, and you're going to be in situations where you sit down with people who have suffered horrible tragedies in their life. And unless you have dealt with the reality of, of, of um, your death, you're not going to be able to deal with things. And the Lord stands with us. And, you know, this thing with, are you watchful in all things? Romans 8, 28, all things are working together for good. And I think we need to walk circumspectly and understand that the things that are going on in our lives, in our world, in, in our relationships, God is going to use for our good. They may not be comfortable and they may not be fun. But the Lord will get us through those things, and he will accomplish a greater good. And I, I hold that not as a theory. I hold that as an experience and reality. God is faithful. And, and he will deal with whatever you face. You know, and I, 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 what I found is that I think one of the, because when, when I think of be watchful, it's, it, it it seems like it's, okay, I'm trying to, but I find that in our times together or with other friends, if when, when there's an honesty and a vulnerability, yes. that is so helpful in being watchful. You sort of get a perspective uh, in, in sort of an honest assessment of the things that I'm wrestling with that helps me to look out with the encouragement of others, right? Just being honest, being vulnerable. Lenny, do you have anything to add to that, to, to this Look, how has the Lord stood with you, watchful? Well, I would just say that I'd um, like to add one thing, and that is that the book that Joel Richardson left called The, uh, Ministry, or the Mystery of Catastrophe. Catastrophe yeah. uh, if you haven't read it, get a copy of it. It'll make a, an awful lot of what has been shared tonight come to life and it will make it uh, give you a perspective on uh, a lot of 
things that the Lord are on the Lord's heart to love other people. Yeah. And, you know, the love of our Lord that took him to the cross specifically was for each one of us. Amen. It was specifically for you. If he hadn't loved you, he wouldn't have gone to that cross. And the depth of his love overshadowed what he endured. And to, for us to experience the depths of that, the, that kind of love is his desire that we would know that love. Yeah. So, Johnny, um, yeah. But can we, can we bow our hearts together and we'll, we'll just pray, pray for the things we've talked about a little bit. Guys, is it, you feel that, and I can, I'll, I'll just close it. So as you feel led, you can chime in anytime. Let's just spend a little time praying for our church, for these things we've talked about. So, Lord, we come in Jesus' name. We thank you for the access we have by grace through faith. We have been given this uh, incredible invitation to come to you and pray. Lord, I pray for these people here tonight. Thank you for them. We are not here to entertain them. We're here to intercede on their behalf. That your purpose and your glory may be manifest in them. We just ask your blessing, Lord. Yes, Lord. We cannot live this life by fear. We can only live it by faith in you. Our lives are yours. We surrender them totally into your hands. Your will be done. Well, can you hand Greg your, your mic? Lord, we are, again, so... Deeply thankful, Lord, that, that Lord, we can't, all this stuff we cannot just work up. It is not workable, work upable. Lord, yeah. uh, you must draw us. Yes, do it, Lord. You must empower us. Mm -hmm. There is our part. We are to give diligence. We are to labor hard, as hard as we can, knowing uh, that we are but vessels of clay and that is designedly that way. Yeah. But Lord, this is all, really, this is all about you. The you, your desire, I'm thankful that Kevin stirred up about the kingdom. Um, your desire is a kingdom. Yes. Wherein you are all in all. Mm -hmm. Everything is going to come under the feet of your son. And he's going to hand that, that finished work over yes. to you and declare God is all in all. Father, Son, and Spirit. Yes. And we long for that day. We long for that day, Lord. We pray, hasten that day. And uh, Lord, we want to focus our eyes, set our hearts steadfastly, just like you did. You had that view in mind, marching to Jerusalem. And it says, your face was set like a flint. Lord, that's how we want to be. Not 
doesn't mean we're not feeling or anything like that. We want to feel all this stuff. We want to be affected by a lot of things, humanly speaking. But, Lord, that's where we're heading. And and we pray, God, for the grace, the mercy, the strength, the wisdom, the endurance, Lord, to walk this way until that day when that sky rolls back like a scroll. Yeah. The trump resounds and you descend. Yeah. And even so, it is well with our souls. Yes. Amen. Yes, Lord. Amen. Lenny, do you want to pray? Our Father, what a privilege you have given to us that we can be children of God. And even to those that believe on your name, it says in John, what a marvelous privilege you have given to us. Promises that transcend this earth and all the problems that we go through. Yeah. Our yea and amen to those who believe. And thank you, Father, that you have given us a measure of faith. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Yes, Lord. We look to you, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised it, shame, and sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Lord, we are so indebted to you. All that you've done, all that you're doing, by grace, through faith. So Lord, again, we're thankful, thankful, thankful. Give us, I pray, hearts that are filled, like you said there, the width and length and depth and height with your love, knowing your love toward us, Lord, growing in that love and walking in it. So Lord, we, these things we've talked about tonight, we've shared a little bit. Lord, By your Holy Spirit, I pray, we ask, Lord, grant us that we might be being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, that we're becoming more and more like you. We're, we're, as it were, endeavoring to to keep that keeping on with you. In Jesus' name, amen.